0: Chapter Twenty of The Well at the World's End Book Two This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gemma The Well at the World's End Book Two by William Morris. Chapter Twenty They Come to the Mid Mountain Guest House. On that night they slept in their tents. Which they had pitched on the field of a little thorp beside a water, and there they had meat and drink and all things as they needed them. And in likewise it befell them the next day. But the third evening they set up their tents on a little hillside by a road which led into a deep pass, even the entry of the mountains, a road which went betwixt exceeding high walls of rock, for the mountain sides went up steep from the plain. There they kept good watch and ward, and not befell them to tell of. The next morning they entered the pass, and rode through it up to the heaths, and rode all day by wild and stony ways, and came at even, to a grassy valley watered by a little stream, where they guested, watching their camp well, and again none meddled with them. As they were departing the next morn, Ralph asked of Clement if he yet looked for onset from the waylayers. Said Clement, It is most like, lord, for we be a rich prey, and it is but seldom that such a company rideth this road. And albeit that the wild men know not to a day when we shall pass through their country, yet they know the time within a four and twenty hours or so for we may not hide our journey from all men's hearing and when the ear heareth the tongue waggeth but art thou yet anxious concerning this matter son yea said ralph for i would fain look on these miscreants it is like that ye shall see them said clement but i shall look on it as a token that they are about waylaying us if we come on none of them in the mountain house for they will be fearful lest their purpose leak out from unwary lips. Ralph wondered how it would be, and what might come of it, and rode on, pondering much. The road was rough that day, and they went not above a foot-pace, the more part of the time, and day long they were going up and up, and it grew cold as the sun got low, though it was yet summer. At last at the top of a long stony ridge, which lay beneath a great spreading mountain, on the crest whereof the snow lay in plenty, Ralph saw a house, long and low, builded of great stones, both walls and roof. At sight thereof the men of the fellowship shouted for joy, and hastened on, and Clement spurred up the stony slopes all he might. But Ralph rode slowly, since he had not to see to, save himself, so that he was presently left alone. Now he looks aside and sees something bright-hued lying under a big stone where the last rays of the sun just caught some corner of it. So he goes thither, deeming that may happen one of the company had dropped something, pouch or clout or what not, in his haste and hurry. He got off his horse to pick it up. And when he had laid hold on it, found it to be a hand's breadth of fine green cloth embroidered with flowers. He held it in his hand awhile, wondering where he could have seen such like stuff before, that it should smite a pang into his heart, and suddenly called to mind the little hall at Bournton Abbas, with the oaken benches and the rush-strewn floor, and this same flower broidered green cloth. Dancing about the naked feet of a fair damsel as she moved nimbly hither and thither, dighting him his bever. But his thoughts stayed not there, but carried him into the days when he was abiding in desire of the love that he won at last and lost so speedily. But as he stood pondering, he heard Clement shouting to him from the garth gate of that house so he leapt on his horse and rode up the slope into the garth and lighted down by clement who fell to chiding him for tarrying and said there is peril in loitering outside this garth alone for those sons of the rope often look hard by for what they may easily pick up and they be brisk and nimble lads what ailed thee said ralph i stayed to look at a flower which called up meads to my mind yea lad yea quoth clement and art thou so soft as that but come thou into the house it is as i deemed it might be besides the house warden and his wife there is no soul therein thou shalt yet look on mick hangman's sons as thou desirest so they went into the house and men had all that they might need the warden was an old whore man and his wife well stricken in years and after supper was talk of this and that and it fell much as was like to be on those strong thieves and clement asked the warden what he had seen of them of late the old carle answered nay master clement much according to wont a few beeves driven into our garth a pack or two into the hall and whiles one or two of them come in hither with empty hands for a sleep and a bellyful and again a captive led in on the road to the market forsooth it is now a good few days ago three of them brought in a woman as goodly as mine eyes have ever seen and she sat on the bench yonder and seemed to heed little that she was a captive and had shackles on her feet after the custom of these men though indeed her hands were unbound so that she might eat her meat and the carl thief told me that he took her but a little way from the garth and that she made a stout defence with a sword before they might take her, and being taken, she made but little of it. "'Would he do her any hurt?' said Ralph. "'Nay, surely,' said the carl. "'Doth a man make a hole in a piece of cloth which he is taking to market? "'Nay, he was courteous to her after his fashion, "'and bade us give her the best of all we had.' "'What like was she?' said Ralph. "'Said the carl. She was somewhat tall, if I am to note such matters, grey-eyed and brown-haired, and great abundance of it. Her lips very red, her cheeks tanned with the sun, but in such wise that her own white and red shone through the sun's painting, so that her face was as sweet as the best wheat-ear in a ten-acre field when the season hath been good. Her hands were not like those of a demoiselle who sitteth in a chamber to be looked at, but brown as of one who hath borne the sickle in the sun but when she stretched out her hand so that the wrist of her came forth from her sleeve it was white as milk well my man said the carline thou hast a good memory for an old and outworn carl why dost thou not tell the young knight what she was clad withal since save for their raiment all women of an age are much alike nay thou do to it said the carl FOR SHE WAS EVEN AS FAIR AS I HAVE SAID, SO THAT THERE BE FEW LIKE HER. SAID THE DAME, WELL, THERE IS NOT SO MUCH TO BE SAID FOR HER raiment. HER GOWN WAS GREEN, A FINE CLOTH ENOUGH, BUT NOT VERY NEW, WELTS OF NEEDLEWORK IT HAD ON IT, AND A WREATH OF NEEDLEWORK FLOWERS ROUND THE HEM OF THE SKIRT. BUT A cantle WAS TORN OFF FROM IT, IN THE SCUFFLE, WHEN SHE WAS TAKEN, I SUPPOSE, SO THAT IT WAS SOMEWHAT RAGGED IN ONE PLACE. "'Furthermore,' she had been looking at Ralph as she spoke, and now she broke off suddenly, and said, still looking at him hard, "'Well, it is strange.' "'What is strange?' said Clement. "'Oh, not, not,' said the dame, "'save that folk should make so much to do about this matter, "'when there are so many coming and going about the mid-house of the mountains.' But Ralph noted that she was still staring at him even after she had let the talk drop. Waned the even, and folk began to go bedward, so that the hall grew thin of guests. Then came up the carline to Ralph, and took him aside into a nook, and said to him, Young knight, now will I tell thee what seemed to me strange e'en now, to wit, that the captive damsel should be bearing a necklace about her neck as like to thine as one lamb is to another but i thought thou mightest be liver that i spoke it not openly before all the other folk so i held my peace dame said he i thank thee forsooth i fear sorely that this damsel is my sister for ever we have worn the same-like pair of beads and as for me i have come hither to find her and evil will it be if i find her enthralled and it may be past redemption and therewith he gave her a piece of the gold money of upmeads yea said she poor youth that will be sooth indeed for thou art somewhat like unto her yet far goodlier but i grieve for thee and know not what thou wilt do whereas by this time most like she has been sold and bought and is dwelling in some lord's stronghouse some tyrant, that needeth not money, and will not let his prey go for a prayer. Here, take thou thy gold again, for thou mayest well need it, and let me shear a lock of thy golden hair, and I shall be well paid for my keeping silence concerning thy love. For I deem that it is even so, and that she is not thy sister, else hadst thou stayed at home, and prayed for her with book and priest and altar, and not gone seeking her a weary way ralph reddened but said not and let her put scissors amongst his curly locks and take what of them she would and then he went to his bed and pondered these matters somewhat and said to himself that it was by this damsel's means that he should find the well at the world's end yet he said also that whether it were so or not he was bound to seek her and deliver her from thraldom since he had kissed her so sweet and friendly, like a brother, for the sweetness and kindness of her, before he had fallen into the love that had brought him such joy and such grief. And therewith he took out that piece of her gown from his pouch, and it seemed dear to him, but it made him think sadly of what grief or pain she might even then be bearing, so that he longed to deliver her, and that longing was sweet to him. In such thoughts he fell asleep. End of chapter 20